So this sermon is going to be a little different from my usual sermon. I know that I often share a bunch of historical context and we delve into the culture of whatever scripture that we're looking at, but today's gonna be a little different. Today, I just wanna simply share a message that God laid on my heart this week. I didn't even open one commentary book in preparing this sermon. I opened my Bible, and, and this message is what God laid on my heart. And so you're, you're free to take that information however you like. I'm just, I'm just being honest here. And as I continue with being honest, um, I want to say that as a Christian, I try not to base my life off of fear. I want to focus on love, grace, and hope. But sometimes my human nature gets in the way of that. And I know, you know, me, I'm, I'm the pastor. I should be saying this, but, you know, I'm, I'm a human being just like you are. I'm a sinner in need of a savior just like you are. I, I experience fears and, and doubts and worries and concerns just like you do. And there are many times in my Christian experience where I feel afraid Afraid of the direction that God seems to be leading me. Afraid of the future and how things will work out. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in this. Am I alone in this? No? Okay. All right. We all have moments of doubt and fear. Sometimes we are afraid that we're too young or too old for whatever God is calling us to do. Sometimes we are afraid that maybe we're too rich or too poor. Sometimes we are afraid that we are too noble or too lowly. And so what I want you to do this morning is to think about times in your life, and maybe they're happening right now. Maybe you're in the midst of one of these times, but times when you're afraid concerning God's plan for your life. I want you to think about these things because we're going to come back to them. But in the meantime, I'm so glad that the Bible has some words of encouragement on these matters. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. And now, while these, this verse, it brings some comfort, statements aren't always as relatable as stories. Statements aren't always relatable as stories. But luckily, the Bible has plenty of stories, too. Stories where people, both old and young, rich and poor, noble and lowly, all deal with this concept of being afraid with what God is calling them to do. And so I want to look at a few of these stories, and since it is December, since it's the holiday season, I thought it might be helpful to look at the stories specifically that are found in the Christmas narrative. The first two chapters of Luke are chock full of stories, messages, prophecies, and prayers that are extremely helpful in this life. I'm sure we've all read or at least have heard these stories recounted. We're familiar with them, but there are pros and cons 
that come with familiarity. One of the cons is that thinking we know the story, we breeze right through it and we, we go right over some of the finer details, some of the finer points that God is trying to get through to us in these chapters. So over the next few weeks, I want us to spend some time in these really juicy chapters and see what sort of Christmas gift God has waiting for us. And so today, we will look at three specific interactions. Now, I know that most of us are familiar with those three angels' messages found in chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. But I wonder, how many of us realize that there are also three angel messages found in the Christmas story, specifically in Luke's Christmas story? So let's look at each one and see what we can't glean from these three angel messages. The first angel message is found early on in Luke's gospel. The stage is set in verse five of, of chapter one. We're introduced to a man, Zacharias, and his wife, Elizabeth. And we're told that Zacharias was a priest and Elizabeth was from the lineage of Aaron. So an important people here. Luke also tells us that they were both righteous and blameless in the eyes of God. But on the downside, it also says that they were old and had no children. They were sort of past the point when kids were a possibility. The couple desired a child and they prayed for one for years, but to no avail. Lots of prayers and lots of what they perceived as no answer to those prayers. What kind of thoughts do you think that they might have had? Use your holy imagination here. What kind of thoughts would they have had? Was God angry with them? Were they being punished for something? Were they not righteous enough? Was their family name really just to end with them? These questions and many others probably swirled around in their heads and were spoken of in hushed tones in the privacy of their own home. But one day, Zacharias went into the temple to burn incense to the Lord. Luke 1, 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now this is good news, right? This is good news coming to Zacharias. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this is a lot to process, but this is Old Testament language. Zacharias would have been very familiar 
with this kind of talk, with these specific words. But who was he to be a part of their fulfillment? And so doubts started to creep in. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, if we're paying attention, we should be picking up on some strong connections with another famous Old Testament Bible story. What, what Old Testament couple is this story reminding you of? Abraham and Sarah, right? Abraham and Sarah. In both of these stories, an angel comes, delivers a message from God that a child is on the way to an old couple. And in both instances, doubt is the first response. And it's hard to blame them, right? It's hard to blame them. I, I mean, if you were in your, your 80s or your 90s and you'd never have kids, uh, you pretty much are safe to say, I'm not going to have kids. I'm past that. But I love the angel's response here to Zacharias because Zacharias asked, you know, how can he, how can he Zacharias, know what the angel says is true? And instead of answering his question, the angel says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. So Zacharias asks a question, and in response, he gets a name drop from Gabriel. Gabriel's like, hey, you know, I was in the presence of God, and if you can't trust that, then I don't know what else I could possibly say to get you to believe me, to get you to trust me. And he continued, Gabriel, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, that must have been a long nine months for Zacharias, right? But I bet he learned a lot during that time too. You know, I, I, I feel that Far too often we do too much talking and not enough listening. But Zacharias here, um, his hands were tied. He had no choice but to listen. The ability to speak was taken from him. But then in the middle of this time scale, about six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, another angel shows up. This second angel shows up in Nazareth to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And Joseph was from the lineage of King David, and the virgin's name was Mary. When the angel appeared to Mary, she was surprised and a little scared. Once again, can we blame her? Who was she that this angel would appear to her? Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And then Mary, she responds with some doubts of her own. How could she possibly become pregnant if she was a virgin? And the angel responds and says, the Holy Spirit's gonna take care of that matter. The angel also lets Mary know that one of her relatives, Elizabeth, 
is also pregnant in her old age, a time when she shouldn't be pregnant. So, you know, Mary, you're not alone in this trepidation, this excitement. And the angel ends with this beautiful statement, for with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary accepts her task and soon is bearing the son of God in her womb. I mean, ladies, can you imagine this? The son of God is in her womb. And months go by, John is born, eventually Jesus is born, and then the third angel appears. The first angel appeared to an old righteous priest. The second angel appeared to a young virgin girl. And now here, the third angel appeared to a group of lowly, poor shepherds. Lowly, poor shepherds. These shepherds, they lived out in the field with their flock. And they would stay uh, with them at night. They would keep careful watch make sure that their flock was safe in the evenings. And it was during one of these dark nights that this next angel comes. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, can you imagine being out in a field in the middle of the night? It's dark, it's quiet. The only thing that you see is the, the, the moon and the stars far away up in the sky. No street lights, no, no candles, no cell phones at this time. It's just dark, quiet, and still. And then all of a sudden, the night lights up with the brightest light you've ever seen. This must have been astounding and a fearful sight indeed. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And just when the shepherds thought it couldn't get any brighter, Luke tells us that then a whole host of angels join that first angel and they start singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. Then the angels lifted up to heaven, and when the shepherds were alone once again, they looked at each other and they decided to go to Bethlehem and see this child, this king that was born. Now, I love the progression here. You know, first Zacharias doubts what God says, then Mary doubts God's decision in choosing her, but these lonely shepherds, lowly shepherds, they just accept what God says and they instantly move forward. And I pray that this is the experience of each one of us when we doubt God's leading in our lives. May we eventually progress to full trust in the future for what he has in store for each one of us. Now, these must have all been pretty heavy and scary moments for all, all of these individuals here. Not only were they confronted by holy, heavenly beings, but they were called to do something tremendous in the name of God. 
Zacharias was told that he would be the father of the man who prepared the way for the Messiah. And I'm sure he felt too old and and too tired to do such a thing. Mary was told that she would be the mother of the Messiah, the son of God, the savior of humanity. And I'm sure that she did not feel worthy of the task. The poor lowly shepherds were told to go meet this new king. And I'm sure in the back of their minds, they were a little worried about how they might look, how they might smell coming from the fields and being with their flock to meet the Lord. So now I want to try a bit of trivia. I'm going to test your comprehension skills. And it's okay to shout out the answer if you know the answer. I'm I'm asking you a question here. What was the common opening statement from each angel? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, do you remember at the beginning of this sermon when I was talking to you about fear? I was talking to you about being afraid. And when I asked you to think about times that you were afraid concerning God's plan for your life, we're coming back to that now. Think about these times. Do they make you feel too young or too old? Do they make you feel too rich or too poor? Do they make you feel too lonely or unworthy? I'm here to tell you it's okay to be afraid. You aren't alone in your fear. But what I also want to tell you is that you don't have to stay afraid. You don't have to stay afraid. These stories show us as much. I don't know what situations you've been in or that you are in or that you will be in, but I believe that God is speaking speaking to you through the words of his heavenly messengers in this Christmas story. I believe he is giving you permission to not be afraid. But you also have permission to voice your doubts. There's a comfort that comes from being honest with God. You have permission to voice your fears. Telling God what you are afraid of gives you the opportunity to ask for strength or bravery or faith or whatever it is that you feel that you need to confront this fear. Confronting your doubts, confronting your fears can lead you to overcoming through the power of Christ. That's the invitation I'm seeing in the story. And now, I don't believe it's a sin to have doubts. It's not a sin to be afraid, but how do you deal with these feelings? How do you deal with these feelings? Ignoring doubts can lead to a weakened faith. Living in fear can cause spiritual paralysis, but confronting your doubts, asking questions, and seeking answers can lead to a strengthening of your faith. Confronting fear and choosing to not be afraid concerning God's plan for your life can lead to a more abundant life and clarity concerning God's will. Now, I'm sure Joseph was afraid when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, but we are told in Genesis 39 too, the Lord was with Joseph. 
And then I bet he was also scared when he was wrongly convicted and thrown into prison. But once again, later in that chapter, in verse 21, we see, but the Lord was with Joseph. Moses was scared when he met God at the burning bush. God laid out the plan he had for Moses' life, and Moses had his doubts, but God told him, I will certainly be with you. And when the angels came to Zechariah, Mary, and the lowly shepherds, they were afraid. They were unsure about God's plan for their life, but God said, do not be afraid. So in the past, when people were scared, God said that he would be with them. And all three of these angel messages that we just looked at, they were in connection with Jesus. And do you know another name for Jesus? It's Emmanuel. Does anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. Could this be why God had each angel message open with these words, do not be afraid? Because in telling them about Jesus, the people were also learning that God would be with them in a more intimate way than ever before. A savior was born and God was with them. But what about us? Jesus isn't walking this earth anymore. Are we left alone? Should we be afraid? We can find our answer in the words of Jesus. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us not only does God dwell with us, but according to Jesus, he dwells in us. Oh, imagine what it would look like if the world all over, all the Christians throughout every nation started living as if they really believed this to be truth, to be reality. What a witness that would be. Christmas is the time to remember that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. God was with his children during the Old Testament times. Jesus was with his people 2,000 years ago, and the Holy Spirit is with us today. When life gets overwhelming and hard, remember the thrice-repeated Christmas message from heaven. Do not be afraid. God is with us. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. And as we look at this story, it's astounding to see the miracles that took place. It's amazing to see the birth of Christ into this world. But Lord, may we also realize that there's more to the story than just meets the eye. That part of the story is the message that we don't have to be afraid, that God is on our side. Lord, you are with us in a more intimate way than ever before. May we find hope 
in this message. May we share this message, especially during this holiday season. May we put our trust, our faith in you, knowing you're going to clear the way. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please join us next week. We're going to look at part two of this sermon series from Luke's Christmas narrative and a sermon entitled Three Prophecies of Comfort.